0: Welcome to the Thought Leader Podcast.
1: I'm uh, Randy, what am I? Uh, you're the host and your name is Dr. Kent. And here's Randy Baker. And I'm the co-host and on the Thought Leader Podcast, we search for the most fascinating people we can find who are true thought leaders, who can challenge the way you think, challenge the way we think, and often they will give us insights into the future. Now, this person
0: we're talking to has ideas from here to Sunday. Ba dum bum. That was a...
1: That was a poor bad dad joke, yes.
0: But I love love her name, Tiffany Sunday. We talked to her about her name at the end of the, the conversation. And throughout, it's clear that she is a futurist and has amazing insights into
1: what the world might look like. I was particularly uh, engrossed in when she was talking about the difficulty she has in sometimes spelling words and how that has actually driven a great deal of creativity in the way she thinks. I guess that's it.
0: Can't wait to hear this interview with Tiffany Sunday. Nice to talk with you, Tiffany. Really also kind of fun to talk about tech. I always get a little geeky about sort of how people sound good on the air, and I was really shocked and surprised that you're using just a humble pair of headphones, yet you sound fantastic here.
2: Well, thank you. Um, ironically, you say that in the AC unit that sits next to my office just engaged, so I don't know how the sound is now, <laughs> so you'll have to let me know. But yeah, I, I, on technology, I think um, Joseph Campbell said it best. He says, technology is a tool. It cannot save us. It's just a tool. And I think oftentimes we forget technology is just simply a tool. It's no different than the wheel or the hammer, a pencil. But yet sometimes we think it's a holy grail. And so we'll either go to the extremes and think we need, you know, a, a 9000 you know, dollar pair of, of headsets, you know, earbuds, when in fact something that we just picked up through Apple could work just as well. So it's understanding when you use certain tech, you know, at your advantage, science. So you I just you dove that right in. into
0: Joseph Campbell. that, yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, Holy Grail pencils, all, all kinds of amazing things. So yeah. let's let's go there. I Joseph Campbell and the and and mythology. What is the journey um, kind of of a of a person in the world today? What what is that sort of hero's journey in your in your opinion? Kind of where you are as a successful business person.
2: I think the hero journey is. is I think it's different today because before we had, like for young men and, and people or just kids, they had that journey of, of rite of passages and there would be steps along the way. I mean, I think George Lucas did it great with um, Star Wars, but I also think too, it's interesting you said that because I'm working on my third poetry book, which is To Be Human Always. And it talks about that journey is actually within and you have to go inside yourself to figure out where you're going. And that is where I think we put so much emphasis on the job, but we don't understand from a personal perspective, it's really our archetype, it's our personality, because I'm a visionary, and that means I'm a change agent. I'm also an artist, and so I have to make sure I'm honoring both of those components of my personality and my spiritual side, otherwise it won't work. And so the visual is my visual part of me, the change agent, wasn't being satisfied with the poetry because it's so fluent, so... Last week, I started a new business because I've got to be able to feed that change agent because I believe my purpose on here or my journey, my spiritual journey, the mythical journey that Joseph Campbell talks about, is really my journey to help people change as we move along. So I'm now working as a global real estate advisor to help move real estate and how we look at our homes differently because homes are becoming our lifestyles because now home is everything. And I think that's part of the journey too is recognizing what do we really need in our homes? Because in a way, we're going forwards and backwards at the same time. It's like Little House on the Prairie. In her books, everything was geared around the home. You cooked, you worked, everything was very self sufficient. Home was everything. And before we kind of viewed home as just an afterthought, but with the pandemic, home became everything. And so now people are thinking well, do we really want to be using this living room that we never use? Do we need to make it the workout room? Do we need to do something else? So, we're actually kind of refocusing back in. The pandemic made us stop and think, what is our journey? Is it really work or is it really inside? Is this matching with our personalities? Because if you do not align the heart and the mind, it will not work.
0: I've been listening to um, The Martian uh, as an audio book. And that comes to mind as you're talking about Little House on the Prairie. Mm -hmm. And it's like literally in that book as well, The Martian. I, I won't reveal any secrets if people haven't read it, but it's... You know, the guy's stuck. I mean, it's either there's air and food, or there's not. Right? right. You're on Mars. Um, so interesting. So, Little House on the Prairie is a paradigm for what we're going through right now. Like we're we're out in the wilderness. We're it's us against the elements. What does that portend for the future? And how are you sort of diving into to helping folks?
2: I see that. I see we're kind of at a plateau right now. Or I think actually we're bored. There's nothing new from a technology perspective. I mean, there really isn't. We're just redoing analytics at this point. So that's why everybody that has money is jumping on a spaceship. You know, humanity's saying, okay, now what? You know, we went through a pandemic. It's making people reassess everything. It's a kind of a regroup. You know, companies are going, okay, so you don't want to come back in the office. Now what? I mean, everyone's, it's a reassess. It's, you know, I'm, I'm quite sure someone could come up. I, even though I've done marketing for a long time, I'm sure there's some great buzzwords out there. But the reality is, it's like, it, it we basically went into a 12 month timeout to rethink everything. And say, you know, where are we going now? I think um, jobs will be looked at. I also see a lot of different changes, trends coming about that. I mean, we're in a paragon shift. We're in history, we can't see it. But Maybe someone will save this so then in 50 years, people look back just like they did in 1900 and the 1920s saying, wow, you know, we went from having no electricity, no means of motoring around to suddenly we had telephones, electricity, everything. But we never go back in time and look at how much that profoundly changed society. Whereas now we're thinking, okay, we're at this lull. And we had a pandemic, we came through it. So how are we gonna radically shift jobs? Jobs are changing, people are resigning, retail is changing, everything that we're looking at is changing and disappearing and being reinvented all at the same time. And it's all happening so fast, it's hard to grasp what's really going on. And so I think people will be stepping back and saying, We'll be creating new jobs. I think a lot of things will disappear, people have to retool. And then also I think homes are going to become more of a true center point to where you entertain, you educate, you exercise, you do a lot more at the home. It's also sanctuary, should things fall off the grid again, especially if you live in Texas.
1: Yeah. So mm-hmm. good, good catch. because um, <laughs> things did fall off the grid for a couple of weeks and, yeah, uh,
2: just we, a little <laughs>
1: snowed here in Texas. <laughs> and it was, uh, that was interesting to say the least. Yes. So I, I don't disagree with you, Tiffany. I think things are changing, uh, and we're in the, in the midst of a a total change in the way we live and work. Do you see that as being an issue for our young people coming up? Because we have social media that is already detracting from face mm-hmm. to face communication. And if we become more insulated within our homes, is that going to exacerbate that problem? Or what do you see as the the future for our young people?
2: That's a very good question because I, I have a twenty year old or a soon to be twenty year old son, and so um, I engage. He's very communicative very talkative, and so he just actually walked in the house. So, and it's funny because everybody goes, oh my gosh, you actually talk. (laughs) And so it is an advantage. And I don't know if the the students, but I don't think it's always their fault because, you know, I run a lot and I, and I, as a runner, I'm walking, you know, I'm going through the neighborhood and every single child that's six months old has an iPhone in it because that's how mom is keeping them entertained. So I think we have to look at it as a whole component, not so much for the kids, because we've got to look at how are we educating them from the get-go, but yes, I don't think they're prepared because they're used to having everything right there. Like I said, we're in an uber abundant society and communication is extremely critical. It makes me think of Fahrenheit 451 about the talking walls. If you're standing there and you're always hearing the walls talk, you don't have your own independent thoughts. Um, they're not resilient so that when they're in a job and someone makes a sharp comment to them, they don't know how to react. They're not, they don't have the depth of, um, and also, Nicholas Carr wrote in the shallows, when we don't have the depth to go back to, it's very shallow. Our brain doesn't connect. And so he was talking about how those neurons will never build. So if this generation is not communicating, is not problem solving, they may never develop the skills because the synapses were never created. It's like when you go, I was at, I won't mention a a coffee place, but I was there and that the young woman did not know how to do something with the coffee maker. She actually went to her phone to Google and that a co-worker came and said, this is how you do it. But I could tell she was struggling with the problem-solving concept of actually changing the coffee filter out. It's really simple. <laughs> it's very intuitive. But we're losing that intuitive ability, not only from driving from just life. I'm not sure how we're going to go back and teach them. There is a professor, John, um, I think it's H-U-N-T, being dyslexic, so I'm really not good with names. But he is a professor at Harvard and he has a class, it's about survival. And he takes students out in the wild so they can navigate without technology so they don't get lost in the forest because we're losing our ability to navigate because we, we use sat nav too much. So I don't know. I mean, they're going to have to learn to communicate because like right now we're communicating. We're communicating in three different ways, verbally, visually, and by sense of being. But they're missing that. So I don't know how we're going to go back on that. I don't know if that answered the question or not, but my undergrad was in communications, not the speaking side but the intellectual, you know, how do we as humans communicate? I see that all the time.
1: So I'd like to Tiffany, I'd like to know in light of what we just talked about, what you just told us. I'd like to know more about your business, this new business which is making the home different to what I see Well, We
2: just started. As an entrepreneur, I started my first business when I was 14. It's just something I do. If I'm not starting a business, I feel weird. You know, it's like I'm restless. It's like, oh my gosh, I got to go do something. Writing doesn't fully satisfy that, although I do write all the time. But I'm curious to see where we're going to go with the houses. Uh, we are focusing more on the luxury market. That, I think, is just an interest of mine just because we can tie in the love of the arts. I think I love – I want to – find a way to preserve the arts. I think if we're going to wake up one day and we will not have the museums, the symphonies and the art, I think it's critical to human beings.
0: So what are you, what's your take on virtual galleries and NFTs and that whole thing? It's not the same. Because it really isn't the same. So what Mm -hmm. are your thoughts on what it is and, and how it applies and finance models and all that stuff, just out of curiosity?
2: It's passive. And the thing is that the brain Here's the thing. If you're on your social media too much, your brain will not be able to read a paragraph because you're scrolling and you're teaching your brain to go skimming. And there's no way the brain can grab the information. So I make sure I read a book for 30 minutes a day so that my brain does not become untrained to read. Wow. And so there's a professor at UCLA that that noted that a couple of years ago. So you have to be very mindful what you're treating, training your brain to do. And as we become further and further removed, there's another book. um, It's his name. He's wrote about it. Um, I should have stacked my books up here, but he was saying we're actually becoming less human. That the robots are probably going to be more human than us. Because if we're passively looking at something, we will not feel the emotional side of it. If you've ever stood in the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York, over there in the Egyptian, you feel like you're there in Egypt. I had the Opportunity, I did my graduate work in Russia, so we went to the Hermitage. And it'd take 18 years standing in front of each piece of art for 30 seconds to cover the art that was in that museum. And to stand next to a Michelangelo, or to see a Picasso, or to see these great artists that had really no technology something back then i mean it's almost emotional like i almost get emotional now especially with yeah, I
0: my uh my the hairs rising up on my arms so you know something you're, you're seeing <laughs>
2: yeah. these pieces that represent the depths of humanity and creativity We're, we actually are less creative today than before because when you use when you're creative you have to solve a problem creativity is just problem solving you're a blank canvas whether it be programming whatever it's problem solving and if you look at how da Vinci just said, oh, let me think of all this. He was probably the most one of the most brilliant humans ever that we've, society, humanities created. Because he f- created things way back, like flying machines. And you look at his work, and you cannot help but be awe-inspired. On my birthday back in last year, we went to a museum here in Dallas, and we saw works that someone thought to grab. You know, you're thinking, what person was thinking when this church was burning that they go let's grab this and let's go out the door. <laughs> it is like 600 years old. Who thought to put it in their garage somewhere? You know, someone was thinking about that. And you're looking at it and it's in perfect condition. I mean, they've only restored, you know, they only had to, re- you know, redo it, kind of touch it up once. And you're like, this is brilliant. And it really makes you cuz we we are so shallow now. We're just thinking, oh my gosh, anything before 2015 is old. And when you're looking at something that's hundreds or maybe thousands of years old and it has the same beautiful quality, if not even more artistic, um, I'm trying to think of the word here, you're, you can't help but be inspired. You're thinking, wow, I mean, the aqueducts, I mean, you're just sitting there going, oh, my gosh, I feel like I haven't done anything today. Because they were doing it with almost nothing. You know, and we can do stuff at a click of a button that doesn't require much. I don't know. I don't know if I'm answering. I'm kind of going off in these little tangents, yeah. but you know, I think that was the thing that on the luxury market, it's like you want to preserve, you want to be able to have the means in which we need to support the arts, the new, you know, the, the even the older arts. I'm not so sure about the technology when you're running all those little, I don't know, pixels together. I mean, someone could say yes, it's art, but is it? I don't know. I mean, because that's no. not. I don't know. Art's yeah. very interpretive.
1: So I want to go back just a little bit now, uh, Tiffany. You said earlier that. You're dyslexic. Uh, mm-hmm. I noticed that you've written a book about dyslexia's competitive edge. Do you see dyslexia as a competitive edge? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. My, my stepdaughter is also dyslexic. She's created a fabulous career in HR, but it's a daily struggle for her. How does that impact your writing? How does that impact your thinking about the future?
2: It does. It impacts my writing from the standpoint I cannot spell. I mean, I have probably five different programs. I I talk Mm -hmm. to Siri quite a bit, and then I yell at her because then I phonetically can't pronounce the word I want her to spell. But again, it's the creative problem-solvings, but I can tell you I can problem-solve around it. I have a photographic memory because I basically memorize words. It's how I spell. But all of my friends that are entrepreneurs are all dyslexic, and none of us would change it because it's a way of thinking. I'm generally 50 steps out from anybody because I'm having to problem-solve my environment all the time. But we also have a knack of seeing subtle trends because we're so hyper observant of the, of the, our environment all the time. We'll see things that other people don't, don't see because we're cognitively, our DNA is different. There are, all, there is some speculation that we may be cognitively smarter than the other part of society because just how we view things. Again, Michelangelo, uh, Da Vinci was dyslexic. Mm-hmm. You know, we know Steve We're talking the neurodiversity side. There's a running joke within the dyslexic community that if you're ever on a desert island, you want a dyslexic with their duct tape because then you'll get off because they know we are the gifted problem solvers. And so that's what I wrote about because that's what we do all day long. We do it from the time we're a child because that's how we survive. And that was part of the TEDx talk I did was that you know, that's why entrepreneurs are so good because we've gone through so much failure, so much iteration, just constantly going out there that failure never scares us. because that's generally what we see a lot as children, or when we're already kind of out on the edge, you know, creating new ideas, building new businesses, changing the world. That's just what we do in innately. So you'll have to check out my TEDx talk because <laughs> yeah. it kind of that, and, and then there's the other one that I did with a uh, podcast out of the UK where I talk about how the world's changing, where I think dyslexics will have an edge, although I don't think it's come to fruitation because we visually see things, so we're going to be the gifted artists seeing the virtual reality seeing because everything's visual for us so if we're in a visual world and we're not having to write and spell as much then we're going to excel because we're not reliant on it
0: so in that vein we always love to keep these interviews pretty short and kind of ask folks sort of where we can where people can find you and discover your ideas so Clearly, you have a whole bunch of things that people can latch onto for free, like the TEDx mm-hmm. talk and inexpensively like your books mm-hmm. um, to be able to kind of get into that world and and then also more expensively. So give us, give us a sort of landmark as to where people can find you and, and who you might be looking for.
2: The best place is probably TiffanySunday.com. I mean, that's where all my books are. You pretty much um, can search my name on the internet Because I'm either on LinkedIn, I'm on Instagram. I mean, you know, it's out there. But if you're looking for the books primarily, that's going to be at TiffanySunday.com. If you go over to the Dyslexic Books, you'll have the videos linked to those pages. Then we're moving the real estate business out on LinkedIn, working to keep the two brands, in a sense, the brand separate as an author that will sit in one silo. And then the real estate is going to sit in another silo just to keep the two separate. Um, I know several other authors that do something similar So you don't want to commingle your brand, so to speak.
0: And I have to ask you, so were you born a Sunday? It's a great name.
2: Yes. Um, (laughs) There's another joke on my name, too. My mom named me Tiffany after breakfast at Tiffany's, and I was doing an interview with CNN, and the producer was in my ear before we went live, and he was giving me some grief about my name. He says, you know, is that really your name? I said, no, but I bought it on eBay for $10. What do you think? (laughs) <laughs> and so, we had to go in, you know, we were both kind of laughing. He's like, for real? So, that's how we started the interview was us talking about my name. But yes, I can thank my mom for that. It is my name. It's my maiden name. And so, it's just worked. So, I can, she's deceased. And she was a school teacher who loved books and didn't believe that there should ever be a banned book. So, my love of reading came from my mother.
1: Oh,
0: that's wonderful.
1: Yeah, that was, uh Wow. Tiffany Sunday. What a great night. Thanks. I love it. We appreciate you talking with us. I had fun. Um,
0: I think it was a wide ranging interview, which is right up our alley. Uh, and um, yeah, we appreciate it.
2: Well, I greatly appreciate the time as well. So, you guys have a great rest of your week. It's almost done.
1: Thank you, Tiffany. I really love the the thought that you the way the way you're thinking that the thought of the future and particularly interested in exploring a little bit more myself the relationship between screen time and scrolling problem solving uh it clearly is is a very tight relationship there that we should really think about particularly for our kids in the future and the simplicity
0: of the danger around reading, you know, as a, as a book publisher, as someone who loves books and is obsessed with books, the fact that, so we're not talking about, you know, eBooks or regular books dying out or, or disappearing, but are we act- do we actually enjoy reading them anymore? Do we actually enjoy reading a, an article anymore? We might not, that might disappear from our brains if we don't devote that half hour a day to reading. Really fascinating.
1: So training our brains to think the right way, training our brains to absorb the right information is something that I don't know about you, Kent, but I've certainly forgotten that. And Tiffany reminded me to do that. And I think what we're doing at Thought Partner Group is something along those lines. We train people to think about their reputation and how they can leverage that. So please go to thoughtpartnergroup.com and poke around and see how we think. We'll feel the pokes,
0: but that's all right. That's what the site is for. You can't really read for half an hour. Um, there's not all that much information, but there is a cool button at the top uh, called assessment, and you can say a few things about yourself, and then we'll respond and say a few things about
1: ourselves. And if you really like the information that we we find on these podcasts, we'd love you to subscribe. Hit the subscribe button below, and we'd love to hear a comment or read a comment should you have something really pleasant to say about us all right take care everybody